You are listening to FPEA Connects, a production of the Ultimate Homeschool Radio Network. Welcome to FPEA Connects. Today's host is Suzanne Nunn. Suzanne is an active homeschool mom serving homeschool families in both her local community and across the state. She also serves as chairman of FPEA, Florida's statewide homeschooling association. FPEA serves thousands of homeschool families in Florida, delivering a wealth of support, guidance, and information to both new and longtime home educators. Please join us as we seek to encourage you in your homeschool journey and help you stay connected to all things homeschooling in the Sunshine State. Welcome to episode number 32 of FPEA Connects. I'm Suzanne, and I'm so glad that you've decided to listen in today as I have a special friend with me, Sherry Seligson, uh, and she's here with me today to talk about STEM and how to incorporate STEM into your homeschool days. So Sherry, why don't you go ahead and tell us a little bit about yourself and how exactly you're connected to STEM. Okay. Um, well, I'm glad to be here. Thank um, you. Thank and you. We're glad to hear. Yes. Um, I am a homeschool mom of four children, K through 12. For 21 years, we homeschooled. Our youngest graduated homeschooling two and a half years ago, three years ago now, and um, is in, our youngest one's in college. The other three have graduated from college. And so awesome. I'm a homeschool graduate teaching mom, I guess you, you could can, call yeah. that. Before we had kids, I worked as a marine biologist at Walt Disney World's Epcot Center and was responsible for the predators there and worked at um, the Living Seas Pavilion. So um, I published shark research and taught educational classes there. And so then as um, we began to homeschool, I, I taught lots of other science classes. Once you are discovered that you love science <laughs> in the homeschool arena, people start saying, hey, will you teach our kids? And so and then I had opportunity to write the high school marine biology textbook for Apologia. And I also have done since that time all of their instructional DVD courses for biology, chemistry, human anatomy, and our new edition of marine biology. And I'm working on writing some more more textbooks for them. And so I love to go around the and, t- and to homeschool conferences and teach science. And and actually, people will talk about what STEM is. It's not the thing that stands up a plant and makes it stiff, <laughs> although that is one. But that's not what we're talking about today. <laughs> that's not what we're talking about. <laughs> that's right. right. That's right. Well, um, you've had an exciting career experience and uh, a really exciting background, and I'm sure that just by hearing that, um, everybody who's joining in can understand why we might bring you in uh, to talk about this, and specifically uh, marine biology this month, because in just a few weeks, you're going to be speaking for us at a STEM conference that is completely focused on marine biology, marine science, and oceanography. (laughs) And we're we're really excited about that. So, you know, a lot of the questions that we get um, is not so much now, but I know a few years ago you started hearing the word STEM thrown around and people were like, well, what is STEM? So what is STEM? All right. Well, STEM is four letters that stand for science, technology, engineering, and math. So it's all sciencey stuff. And so there's just breaking those down. Science is basically just exploring our world and understanding what's around it. Technology is the application of science. So anything that like a stapler would be considered technology. We think of computers as technology. It's taking scientific principles and using them for a a purpose. So engineering is another branch of science. And then math, of course, is connected to science, at least some of the subjects of science. Sometimes you'll hear uh, the STEM um, called STEAM, and they'll right. throw an A in there, and the A is the arts, 
And there's a lot of science in art. And the whole point of this, this STEM emphasis is trying to get students and parents excited about the sciences and, and not uh, taking away the fear Mm -hmm. from them and making it much more um, exciting for students to begin to explore. Yeah. And I think I started looking at some of it myself because I am history background, all history, writing, English. That's me. Uh, So the sciences, I kind of shy away from. And, you know, math. mm. So I found myself going, STEM sounds like, you know, a great user-friendly way to do this, right? Yes. So I think that it's begun to kind of equip people to think about science and um, technology and math in a different way. Um, So, you know, I think then we find um, in my household, we're really driven towards arts and music and writing and words. Um, so I, another question that I always kind of had for myself, what if my kid really doesn't like science or math? What do you do then? How do you incorporate that, you know, even from a young age? Yes. And, you know, my, my answer, my quick answer to that is all children are born scientists. When you, when, um, when you look at little toddlers, they are exploring from the beginning and they're learning about things and they grab something and they put it in their mouth and this they <laughs> they explore what it tastes like and what it feels like. And that's really what science is, is exploration. Mm-hmm. Then they get older and you'll take them on a little walk and they pick up a leaf and they study it and they watch a butterfly move and, and you start talking. And the wonder is there and they mm-hmm. love that wonder. So um, they may not like science because maybe it, it starts to get presented to them in a way that's intimidating or... Um, scary. So example, you know, let's throw a test at them now. They're three years old and we've learned about all these things. Now let's start testing them and let's start giving these things. <laughs> right. You know, so really science is just taking that wonder and, and making it applicable and enjoyable. Mm-hmm. So uh, if you've got a student who loves art, you know, I mentioned the steam part portion of it, right. they, they'll say, well, I don't like science, but you know, there's so much involved in art, even just colors and understanding colors and how they work and how they combine and combining pigments and looking at the colors within a rainbow and then perspective. Mm-hmm. Those are all scientific concepts that if a student loves art, they really do love science because it's applying scientific principles to art. Right. And so I think that maybe our perspective might be, um, be, off when we say they don't like science or their perspective is off mm-hmm. when they say they don't like science because they may not like the tests part of science or the math that's thrown into science or the you right. know the pressure of all the terminology but they love to study how things work mm-hmm. and that's science and so um rather than saying well you really do love science let's just get them to love that art and, and throw in some of those sciencey things that go with the art and that gets them excited and then you can throw in the terms and then they can they can start embrace it. it. That's yeah. right. Yeah. I think that's interesting. And I think, too, a lot of the times that um, as parents, our own fears about broaching those subjects, <laughs> our own past experiences with how boring it was or, you know, um, not not engaging classes that we might have been in in high school or middle school or whatever, uh, or that one really bad experience with a dissection. You know, you think, yeah. I don't want to go there. Yeah. <laughs> I just don't want to do this. And I think that what I've seen is that as we've had this focus an emphasis on STEM growing, that there's more, um, I don't know how to explain it, maybe a happy feeling towards really broaching these subjects with kids. And I think that it's worked out really well for a lot of parents to see this emphasis and to help connect it and understand it. Um, yeah. 
So, makes it more approachable. It definitely does. Yeah, yeah, definitely does. And um, so when do you start teaching? You were talking about just with young children and how we're natural born. When do you really start teaching science? Officially, I mean, really, I think in the elementary years, um, you continue to teach it as an explorative way. And you can use curriculum. There's wonderful curricula out there. There's, uh, you know, stuff that's more orderly and organized. But you don't necessarily have to do it orderly or organized in those in those elementary years. You know, our, our main goal for our kids in elementary school is reading, writing, and arithmetic. Mm-hmm. And we use history and music and, and art and science to build those logic skills and those communication skills and those writing skills. But mm-hmm. the goal, because you're going to get, you know, I don't know about you guys, how many times... How many times did you study American history during K through 12? I was, I'm a product of the public mm-hmm, school system. Exactly. And we studied, you know, medieval times. I can't remember how many times mm-hmm. I studied that throughout. You get it again and again. Mm-hmm. And so the same thing with science. In, in, in elementary school, you may study, you know, how colors work on a, on a basic level. And then when you get to middle school, you'll add more to it, give it more terminology, more processes. And then in um, high school, you'll add more to that and expand. So elementary... Um, is is exploration and and exploring that love and whatever you're doing whether it's cooking or or even studying history and they get interested in the arrows and shooting and things and you can look at the projectiles and how you'd have to move things in a specific way to make those arrows fall where you want them to during a battle in history mm-hmm. um, there's all kinds of of scientific principles that are a part of that that I think are incorporated in and you can expand upon to add that science education without it feeling like you're making them, you know, just be tied to a textbook right. that's um, that's dry or boring because it's not dry or boring. It's, it's, it can be very exciting. Very exciting. Yes. I mean, how many, exciting. how many little boys love to take a bunch of cars and, you know, run them down chutes and watch where they go and, and throw balls and blow things up and, yeah. you know. They just don't think of it as science. They don't think of it as science, but it's <laughs> it, all science. It is all science. Yes, that's, that's fantastic. Right. Um, so let me divert a little bit from STEM in general. And let's talk about um, the marine biology and marine sciences a little bit. I mean, we live in Florida, right? And um, there's got to be some really great opportunities to introduce your kids um, to marine sciences in a very natural way, in a very easy way. Um, Where do you suggest starting with, you know, your younger children Mm -hmm. and introducing marine sciences and some examples maybe of, you know, where where would you take them? What would you try to show them? And, um, you know, what concepts are kind of elementary for them to start really grasping? Yeah, we, you know, living in Florida, we're really fortunate. We we have (laughs) field trip. Ocean field trip is like a non, you know, it's 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 a non brainer. We can take a trip to the ocean and we're there. And, you know, no matter where you live within Mm -hmm. a couple, you know, 30 minutes, hour max. And you're at some ocean somewhere, whether somewhere. it's the Gulf or the Atlantic. Um, and so even just a trip to the beach can be a wonderful introduction to marine sciences. One of the cool things about the ocean, and I think this is almost universal to most people that I talk with, it's the last unexplored territory. Mm-hmm. I mean, we know more about the surface of our moon than we know about the ocean floor. Right. There's so much of the ocean that hasn't been explored. So even just a, a you know a, a quick peek on the internet, you're going to find all kinds of bizarre ocean creatures. Mm-hmm. But a trip to the beach is one of the great ways to introduce that because it's where the land meets the ocean and there's all kinds of unique organisms that live in that environment. A plain beach of sand 
looks like there's no animals there, but it's loaded with organisms. And so, mm -hmm. you know, your kids are going to start building their sand their sand castles, and they're going to find sand fleas in the in the you know buried in the sand. You can look at those, and they're going to find That's shells. Fun. Yeah, isn't that fun? <laughs> sand fleas. <laughs> and you can find shells, and you can find all kinds of examples of critters, things that get washed ashore. One of the places I love to go. Um, there's, there's over in Cocoa Beach, which is, mm -hmm. which is a quick jaunt from near where I live. There's oftentimes a lot of seaweed that washes ashore, and it's the stuff that floats in the, and you know, it's coming in on the waves. And um, people are like, oh man, this is a terrible beach day. There's tons of seaweed. <laughs> those are the days that I go to the beach because those, that, that kind of, of seaweed that's floating on the surface is called sargassum weed. It's, it's a, it's a seaweed that lives or, or it's, it's really flourishes right in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean. In fact, there's such a big amount of it that grows in a specific spot in the ocean. It's called the Sargasso Sea. Oh, wow. And the sargassum weed will come in and wash ashore sometimes, particularly after storms or something. Mm -hmm. And so I will go with my, armed with my five-gallon bucket and a net, and oh, wow. you, you wade out, you know, a little bit into the water and scoop up some of that seaweed as quickly as you can and dump it into the bucket with some seawater, and you're going to find seahorses, and you're going to find all kinds of juvenile fish, and you'll find interesting nudibranchs, which are mollusks without shells that are beautiful, and they oh, camouflage. Wow. Sometimes we find frogfish. You wouldn't even notice them on the seaweed because they are camouflaged to look like the seaweed. And oh, so once you shake that out, you find all kinds of amazing critters. And that then sounds it's like a filled trip. Oh, right oh there. definitely, <laughs> definitely. It's always definitely. a fun one. But there's all kinds of organisms that live out there that, that kids can explore. And when you find, um, when you're in an area where, there's, where there are rocks on the seashore, we don't have a lot of rocky shore in Florida, mm -hmm. but the areas that do, you're going to have some all kinds of wonderful critters that live amongst the rocks, around them, above them, underneath them. And you just have to have a desire to want to go look at it. The seabirds, that's another one. You can observe ocean birds and where mm -hmm. they where they fly and how some of them wade and some of them dive. And you can talk about that with your students. And you can look at, well, why does this one have a beak shaped like this? Is it because it's a diving bird or is it because it's a bird that pokes its beak down into the sand to pick out little critters? Yeah. Um, so just observing and talking about it makes it a little more interesting as you're doing the playtime at the beach mm -hmm. and they're learning without even realizing it, you know, grab a couple of field guides or maybe, you know, some stuff once you get home and talk about then what you did see at the beach, which makes the you know, adds to the education. Right. My poor children would say, mom, can we just go to the beach at least once and it not be a field trip? <laughs> I'm like, no, <laughs> because yeah. it's just so fascinating. There's just so many that's, cool things out there. That's fantastic. It is. Um, you know, it's amazing to me to see all of the different areas that people um, can really broach with the marine sciences. And, you know, I think that talking about some of the younger kids and their opportunities, and it's exciting. You know, I know that we have a lot of um, teenagers who are really considering some of these um, areas of study for careers. Yes. And I've actually, someone told me that girls in the state of Florida that are um, highly driven toward um, science, that there's about 90% of them that want to be involved in marine sciences. And I think, well, that's exciting. But, I mean, we live in Florida, so you go, go figure, right? It's a no-brainer. That's right. <laughs> but you've had a little bit of, um, you know, a background and working in some interesting places. Can you talk just a little bit about opportunities for kids who are looking to graduate and go to college and maybe pursue this as a career? Yeah, and there's actually, there's two main directions you can go in the marine sciences mm -hmm. and uh, that at least I found among students who are interested in going that route. Um, the first one, uh, my first question is, are you interested in working with marine mammals, 
or something else. And the ones that are interested in marine mammals, are, you know, their exposure has been they love dolphins, they love manatees, um, they're interested in whales, and they just think it's fascinating. And that's great. Um, but that's a different route than some of the traditional marine biology courses because um, working with those animals, they're very intelligent. Uh, they, they are um, trained, and so there's a trainer capacity when you're working with them, even if it's working with them just to study how they live and how they how they are in the wild. Not, I'm not even right. saying within a, a marine um, aquarium environment, even if it's just right. outside. And so um, many of those um, folks will go a course of psychology or animal behavior mm-hmm. in their direction in college and okay. education. And so they'll work with animals and how they behave and how you, uh, even communicating with them, you know, how mm-hmm. you train. Like think of a dog trainer and how they get a dog to do various behaviors. And that's a whole realm of the science and how the brain works and how right. they respond. And so um, that is a great uh, direction for students who are interested in that route. Mm-hmm. Uh, students who are interested more in the environmental part of mm-hmm. marine biology or the organisms that are living around the water, in the water, that are not necessarily marine mammals will go more of a marine biology major or mm-hmm. a general biology major where they're learning about the environment, how environmental, how organisms relate to their environment, um, They learn about how water works. They learn how uh, an organism's body works inside. Um, And then they'll also learn there's physics and chemistry involved, too. You have to learn about the chemistry of water. You know, why would you not put a freshwater fish in a saltwater aquarium and vice versa? (laughs) They're going to die. And why is that? And so you got to learn about those things. And that's that's chemistry, believe it or not. You know, how the the ocean works and the waves, if you're looking at the environment, there's some physics involved in that, physical principles. Mm -hmm. And we were talking earlier about how, uh, before we got on our our, um, podcast, the the east coast of the U.S., or Mm -hmm. of of Florida, has more waves because it's the Atlantic Ocean. And so east coast beaches in Florida have a grittier sand. It's it's, it's a larger granule of sand. When you go to the west coast, where we're going to have our STEM Mm -hmm. conference, the sandy beaches are very sugary, fine, powdery, and, and, Mm -hmm. and bigger beaches. And that's because there's not as much wave action. It's calmer, and so if the waves aren't pulling away the finer particles. Different organisms can live in fine particles compared to the organisms that can live in the rougher particles. And so when you, when you start learning those kinds of things, it makes, it's, it's all encompassing taking the sciences from their, the different branches Mm -hmm. and applying them to marine. And so within that arena, you've got people who work in the environmental protection areas or observe, you know, observing or assessing environments and how they change. Um, Then you have some that work for aquariums Mm -hmm. um, to help educate, to help people understand. You know, there's a huge controversy of whether we should have aquariums or not. But, you know, we learn so much about the ocean animals by keeping them in aquariums because Mm -hmm. we can't go and live in the ocean with them. And so it's better for us to bring them to where we are, understand how they work and how they live, and then we can better provide um, environments and, and protect the environments that they have because we know more about what they need to survive. So it will say, you know, don't tear down this mangrove forest because it's required to keep these juveniles. It's where they live. And so there's just some great um, interconnectivity in the sciences to help apply these concepts in marine biology. Right. So that's a good reason is we're talking about how to prepare for college and Mm -hmm. what kind of courses your students might take. Um, to be well-versed in the sciences. I know uh, we tend to, a lot of the time in our um, homeschool 
kind of focus on just what we're interested in. But it's good to branch out, right, and explore these other sciences because they're all going to come together. Yes. Um, well, and, you know, I like to say this. If there's, there's three branches of major branches of science. You've got biology, chemistry, and physics, and they're very different from each other. Mm-hmm. And I like to tell a student, you, you don't have the privilege to say I hate science until you've taken all three and hate all three. Because you may find that you don't like biology, but you take chemistry and really love it. Mm. They're very, very different. And so it's good for them to understand that they're different and it's worth exploring. And then parents, you know, we we tend to want to teach the stuff we love and get excited about. Right. And, you know, I know, I understand that. There are certain subjects that I taught that I was like, okay, let's pull our books out again, guys. And, you know, you can't really muster up the enthusiasm enough yourself. But I have an example of that. Um. I, I don't like Brussels sprouts. Mm-hmm. I, I just never have. As a kid growing up, my, it was like, ah, worse. And then people said, oh, you have to try them this way. And oh, you have to try them. And I tried, believe me, I tried cooking Brussels sprouts every possible way. <laughs> I have a true dislike for Brussels sprouts. Now, that That's is funny. because of that, I never prepared Brussels sprouts for my kids mm-hmm. because I don't like them and I didn't want to make them. And so my kids never had the, the privilege of exploring how. Brussels sprouts tasted until they would go to a friend's house and say, Mom, how come you've never made these? I love these at so-and-so's <laughs> house. And so un- unbeknownst to me and sadly for me, all of my family, including my husband, love Brussels sprouts. And they oh, all discovered yeah. that. But I <laughs> prevented them from the pleasure and privilege of enjoying them because I didn't like them. Yeah. And I think it's the same way with science mm-hmm. or history or any subject we're afraid of or don't like. We put that last. Mm-hmm. We, we don't focus on that with our kids. And you don't know, you may have a budding scientist, right. even though you absolutely hate it. And so it we, we actually are preventing them from that, that understanding. And so, you know, granted, if you don't like it, find somebody else yeah. to make the Brussels sprout recipe and serve it to your kids. You know, find somebody <laughs> else to teach them that. There's great online courses. There's group mm-hmm. co-ops. Florida is one of the most amazing states when it comes to that. We have so it much is. available to our homeschoolers that... Um, if you have a subject you're not sure what you know you can't provide or you don't want to provide, there are ways to get it. And yeah. so, so many opportunities. Yeah. And that's yeah. true. Well, we're we're gonna wrap up here in a minute, but I wanna just mention this. Um, like I said before, you're gonna be with us at the STEM conference um, in Sanibel Island. Yes. That's gonna be an exciting one. Yes. And that's coming up September eighth and ninth. Um, for those of you that might be interested, you can still register online at fpea.com and you've heard a little bit about what sherry has to share with us and she's going to talk um, about some other very exciting things and we're having a shark dissection for our team program Uh, a lot of exciting stuff so you can uh, come and join us and you're even going to talk about how to work out a unit study that's right yeah that's right we're going to do a kind of a hands-on thing on unit studies yeah so well um so thank you for being here Mm -hmm. i hope that uh the those who are listening were able to glean something today and even if it was um you know brussels sprouts will always make me think of science there you go (laughs) my work is done that's right (laughs) all right well thank you so much sherry and thank you all for uh listening in i hope that you uh have a a great experience with science in this upcoming school year and for all things homeschooling in the state of florida stay connected with us Thank you for joining us today. We hope you've enjoyed our show and will join us next time for FPEA Connects. You can find us on the Ultimate Homeschool Radio Network at ultimateradioshow.com. For more information about FPEA, visit us at our website, 
fpea.com. You can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Pinterest. Until next time, stay connected.